All right, welcome to second 11-11 service. So glad that you're here today. Let's uh, find a place to kneel wherever you are, and uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we open his word. God, we worship you today, and we thank you that we can have this opportunity to enter into this, your church, your worship center, to praise you, to thank you, to hear from you. God, our hearts go out and our prayers go out to those in Texas, those in Lake Charles and other places there in Louisiana that are hurting from Hurricane Laura. God, we know what it's like. And we ask that you would comfort those that are grieving. God, we ask that you would empower and strengthen those that are seeking to rebuild their communities. And God, right now, as we open your word, as we continue to look at your will for our lives, we ask that you would speak to us in a way that we might be transformed by your mercy and by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm not good at a lot of things, but one of the things I'm horrible at is grocery shopping. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a gift that I have. And, and, and I can go and get the basics, but when it comes to getting any type of ingredients or some fancy dinner or a cake or a pie, I just get lost in space in almost any grocery store, okay? That's just, that's just not my deal. So a while back, I found myself in a different part of town and going into this grocery store that I'd never been in before. And I'm there looking here, looking for this, and I'm, I'm confused. I'm trying to find my way through this maze so I can find my little block of cheese. And I see something. I see a sign that gives me some hope. And the sign simply said, shortcut. Shortcut. I said, hey, I want to take the shortcut. So I go to the shortcut. I keep walking down this aisle and turning down this little deal. And I see another sign that said, shortcut. And I like that. And that, that was helpful to me that day to find the stuff that I need because I'm not good. And I like and I want a shortcut. We like shortcuts. That's, that's just who, who we are. We, we we want things, and we, and we want them now, okay? I mean, all of us here could put all our phone right now, and we could, you know, type in an address, okay, that's going to show us where we want to eat after the service today. And within a few seconds, bang, proceed to the route, and it will show us turn left, turn right, narrow lanes, and it will tell you exactly how to get to that spot. However, that's not good enough for us. We want a shortcut. So we have an app called Waze, right? That's going to be faster than Google Maps and Siri ever dreamed of. But so we, we want this shortcut. I saw this guy on Instagram yesterday. And this guy's probably 27 years old, real handsome dude, model dude, just ripped and shredded. And he was like, yeah. And I went to the coffee store the other day and someone asked me, hey, how do you get in such good shape? And Instead of wasting 30 minutes of my time, I told him to go to my app, 
like they can take a test and they can find out their body type and they can get ripped fast and you can get in shape fast. Come on, man. I know a lot of us have put on the COVID-19, but you can't get you can't get shredded, you can't get ripped, you can't get that muscular that fast. It just doesn't work that way. Man, I'm in debt. I, I, what am I going to do about my debt? Just buy my course in three easy steps, and in three days, you're out of debt, right? We like things fast. We like shortcuts. But there, there's some things in life that, that I've discovered, that we've all discovered, that there's simply no shortcuts for you notice that? There are no shortcuts. Most things that are worth living for, that are worth dying for, that are worth developing, take a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, daily discipline, grinding it out. Okay? Now, we've looked at God's will the last several weeks, talking about discovering God's will for your life. And for a long time, I lived in this kind of zone. I thought God's will was some detailed blueprint for my life. He had all the plans, turn left, turn right, go to this college, don't go to that, major in this, don't major this, what next, Lord? Okay, become a preacher, okay, I will, right, and then do this and go this, date this person, not that person, right. And so I had this idea that if I could simply figure out this divine blueprint that God had in some vault up in heaven, if I could discern it through listening to all the signs, then I would get on the right path and my life would be hunky-dory. But really, God's will is not about guidance primarily. Does it make sense? God is more than capable to give us the guidance, to give us a sign or, or to show us something we need when making decisions if he thinks we need that. But God's will for us, as we've looked at, is not geographical. It's not where we live, what city we live in. It's not occupational, whether we're a lawyer, a teacher, a coach, or a pastor. It's not relational, whether we're married or single or somewhere in between. God's will for our life is something greater and bigger than that, and we can do God's will wherever we are and whatever we're doing. So today, for clarity's sake, I want to lay out 10, I need to say 10, yes, 10, 10 things, 10 steps that you need to do, that I need to do to discover God's will for our life. Don't panic, okay? Don't panic. It's not going to take all day. We're going to go through these 10 things quickly, all right? We're still going to get out on time. Don't worry. So where do we start to find these 10 things? Well, we're going to start in Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, in this, Paul is writing this letter, and he's writing this long prayer, if you would, for these folks to discover the fullness of God's will. And today we're reading it, and today that prayer is still valid. God, God I mean, through this, these writings and through what Paul said, we're praying that we would discover God's will. So meanwhile, back at Paul's prayer for God's will, here's what he says in verse 11. He says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Have you noticed that throughout the writings of Paul, he's always talking about endurance and patience and perseverance? Why? Because the people he was writing to back in the day in the first century were going through a tough time. 
Life was difficult. Life was full of a lot of pain and suffering and barriers they had to overcome. So Paul is constantly encouraging, admonishing, persevere, endure, persevere, endure. God will give you the strength to make it through, to crash through those quoting points. It's a theme we see of Paul over and over again. Look at verse 12. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. Maybe your translation says the chosen people in the kingdom of light. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son whom he loves. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So scholars look at this passage here as Paul is praying for us to discover God's will for our life, as what they call a new exodus, a new exodus. We know that one of the mega themes of the Bible is the exodus, God delivering his people, the Israelites, out of 425 years of slavery and liberating them, giving them freedom. That's the first exodus. He brought them out of darkness, out of Egypt, into the promised land, which is Canaan. So it's a mega theme in the Bible. Here in Colossians 1, Paul is talking about a new exodus, a greater exodus, a bigger exodus. He's saying God has now chosen you, these Gentiles, these non-Jewish folks, as well as the Jews, to experience the new exodus, freedom from the darkness of sin into the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of lights. We have a new land. It's the eternal land. It's the eternal life. It's heaven, what God has for us now in the future. So God has broadened his plan to include everybody. He has qualified us. We were unqualified through what Christ has done for us. And now, as we can see in this passage, we can live a powerful life. A powerful life, God's given us a spirit. We can live a grateful life, a thankful life, and we can live a purposeful life because of what he's done for us. So when we're looking at the Bible and we're studying the Bible, it's important that we understand these two moods, if you would, in the Greek language. It's the indicative mood and the imperative mood. And it's very important that we don't get them mixed up or in the improper order. We always have to go from the indicative to the imperative. And what do you mean by that? Well, the indicative indicates something that has been done. Something that has been done. So throughout the letters of Paul and others, they'll say, here's what God has done for you. It's done. He's rescued you, he's forgiven you, he's adopted you into his family, he's given you the very righteousness of Jesus Christ, he's given you a deposit of his spirit, he's given you a new family, the community, the local church, he's done all this for you. He has a place for you in heaven, he has hope and purpose and love for your life right now. God has done all of these things already for us. That's the indicative. And then he will say, Because he's done these things, therefore, live your life like this. Therefore, pick up your cross and follow me. Therefore, follow my way of living. 
So God's will for your life is not a destination, it's not an occupation, it's not a relation. Primarily, God's will for your life is a way of life. It's a way of life. It's a way of relating to God and relating to others, and it's over time, without shortcuts, allowing God's Spirit to conform you into the image and character of Jesus Christ. So what's the imperative? What do we need to do? What are those 10 things that I can be sure of that I am absolutely right where God wants me to be and in his will? Let's turn to the second book of the Bible. Let's go to the original Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Check it out. Then God issued this edict. He said, I am Jehovah, your God, who liberated you from slavery in Egypt. What's that? That's the indicative. That's the grace of God. He's saying, I am your rescuer. I am your liberator. I am the one who's brought you into this new land. And then he says, therefore, follow these 10 things. Have no other gods before me. Don't make a graven image. Don't use my name in vain. Keep the Sabbath. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. You know the rest. The Ten Commandments? Really? That's God's will for my life? Yes, that's God's will for your life, for my life. That's how he set it up. And, and you know, I, I get it. Commandments, right? Old Testament, thousands of years ago, Mount Sinai, Moses, tablets. Really? Yes, of course. This is free, okay? There, there's a lot of confusion that people have in our society, and sometimes it seeps into the church, about interpreting God's word, especially when it comes to the law of God. You'll have comedians and wannabe academics, maybe friends and family members of yours, I don't know, say things like, oh, the Bible's a stupid book. It says you can't eat pork along with grits, and you can't mix polyester with, you know, cotton, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I apologize to be so polemical this morning, but just bear with me, okay? When it comes to interpreting the Bible, God's Word, especially His law, you have three kinds of law in the Old Testament. You have the ceremonial law that dealt with the very ornate sacrificial system that God gave to His people, the Israelites. You had the civil law which God laid out for the nation of Israel at that time on how they are to run their country. And then you have the moral law that's summarized in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments that we just read in Exodus chapter 20. The ceremonial law that we kind of find is kind of strange and odd is no longer valid. The civil law, how they were to run their country at that particular time, is no longer valid. The moral law, Ten Commandments, Still in play. Still in play. 
And they're not really, they are commandments, but they're also affirmations on how we are to live our life. And again, this is the imperative part. And, and, and I can obey or try to obey all 10 commandments the rest of my life, and that will never make me acceptable before God. Never, never, never. I obey God, I follow God, I wanna follow the 10 commandments because of what he has done, the indicative, for me. Because of his grace, because I'm forgiven, because I am thankful. So I obey not to be accepted, not to earn my own righteousness, but because I've already been given this righteousness and acceptance and forgiveness by Christ, okay? Okay. That's why it's important to get the indicative before the imperative. Or another way, another way will happen will be our sanctification is driving our justification rather than our justification driving our sanctification. Whole nother message, don't worry about that, okay? So, back to the Big Ten. Back to the Big Ten. How do we live out God's will for our life? Let's look at the Big Ten as affirmations. First of all, here's the first affirmation. God says, worship Him alone. Worship God alone. God made everything. Everything. Everything that we can see, everything that we can't see. God is the foundation for all knowledge, all intelligence, all logic, all science. God is at the foundation, at the heart of everything. And he demands that we worship him alone. Just makes sense. He, he, he made us. Second of all, second affirmation, second commandment would be make God the center of your life. Make God the center of your life. Uh, it's framed another way. It says don't make idols. And, and when we hear idols, you know, at least people who grew up in the 70s, we kind of think of some little, <clears throat> you know, some little tiki idol that Greg Brady had when they went to Hawaii, you know. And, well, I don't have a little idol like that. Well, no, he's not... That's not what an idol is. It's a form of an idol, but an idol is anything that you and I put at the center of our life other than God. John Calvin said that the human heart is an idol-making factory, okay? So even though we have received God's grace, we are forgiven, we are children of God, we still have a tendency to put something or someone at the center of our life. And even good things... Good gifts from God can become idols in our life if we don't put them in the proper place and have the proper perspective on them. So we are to keep God at the center of our life. Three, respect God's name. Don't use God's name, Christ's name, as a cuss word. Don't do it. Respect his name. His name is holy. His name is other. His name is separate. His name is special. Respect God's name. Number four, take a day off. Get into the rhythm of how God has designed human beings to live. We're to work six days and rest one day. Work six, rest one. Six and one, six and one, six and one. That is the rhythm. Just practice the Sabbath. We need to have a day where we turn everything off. Turn off your stupid cell phone. Turn off the computer. Turn off the iPad. Turn off the television with a thousand stations and nothing going. Turn it off. Go outside. Enjoy nature. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy family. Rest. Enjoy God's wonderful creation that he's made for you. 
I'm really worried. Really worried about the posture of my children and grandchildren. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. What's the matter? Well, I've been looking down at this little three-inch screen for my entire life. It's my God. Okay. Anyway, back to number, where are we? Number five, honor me. Honor, honor your mom and dad, right? God set up a chain of command and authority. Honor your parents. Honor them. Number six, respect human life. Do not murder. Do not kill. Respect human life. We are to value this precious gift of life that God has given us. Number seven, your body is sacred. Do not commit adultery. Be faithful to your spouse. Practice purity. Number eight, respect people's property. Don't steal others' stuff. And I guess that applies to countries too. Don't steal. What's the opposite of not stealing? Work. Stay humble. Work hard. Work. Give. Value others' property. Number nine, guys, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Truth is stating what is. Tell the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. How do you get free of an addiction? How do you get free of any kind of bad habit? How do you get free from the bondage of slavery to anything you're in? You got to start admitting the truth about who you are, about what you've done, about who God is and where you need to go. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Become a truth teller. Number 10, it's a tough one. We live in a consumeristic society, but we have to learn to practice contentment. The Bible says do not covet. Almost all of PR is about coveting something that's not ours, right? That's Get us to buy stuff, right? We have to covet. So sometimes we covet. You know, if I, just, if I just had their looks, I would be happy. If I just had their body, I would be happy. If I just had their money, I would be happy. If I could drive a car like that and live in a house like that. If I could just sing like that, right? If I just had a relationship like they had that's perfect and hunky. You know, I, I could, then I would, and we covet. We covet with jealousy and greed and just, blah, right? Philippians 4, right? We looked at that. The secret to contentment. I've learned how to have a lot of stuff, how to have a little stuff, and in between, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to practice gratitude. Practice contentment. These are the big ten. Just the big ten. It just makes sense, right? If there is a God, and this God made us, and God made the world, he knows what will allow us to function and move down the highway of life with maximum velocity? You know, I want to go to put gas in my car and I take off, you know, a little covering there, the gas tank, and it says unleaded fuel only. 
I don't think to myself, well, I've got a buena idea. I'm going to go get, find some diesel. Put it in there. See what happens. No. I'm going to go get unleaded fuel. I, I want my car to move smoothly down the road. That's the designers have made it for unleaded fuel, not diesel fuel. God's designed you to live out these Ten Commandments, to live this way of life. It would be foolish not to listen to the manufacturer. But we all do. We all put diesel fuel in an unleaded car. You have, I have. We've all broken God's law. Paul also tells us that. He goes at length at that in Romans. Therefore, we need that indicative. We need that forgiveness. We need that redemption. And then we get back in the game and say, God, I want to thankfully and obediently follow you. I can see someone at the back saying, but what about the love, man? Where's the love? It's right there in the Big Ten. That's what love is. First four commandments teach us how to love God. Second six, second half, teach us how to love others. There's the love. It's there. Love is not a feeling. Love is something you do. Love is a verb. It's an action. The love's right there. Frederick Nietzsche, not exactly a Christian, but he had a great quote, great philosopher. He said, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results, and has always resulted in the long run, something which has made life worth living. It's made life worth living, a long obedience in the same direction. Talking to my therapist a while back, he said, Ben, life is long, not short. Life is long, not short. You've got to play the long game. Now, I, I, he knows James and life is a vapor, it's a wisp, you're just here. He knows that. But what he's saying was so wise and it was so well received. You've got to play the long game in life, not only when it comes to God, but when it comes to others. If you're a parent, don't panic. Play the long game. If you're recalibrating and reorganizing and trying to figure out what's going to happen next in your business and your career, don't Panic. Play the long game. If you're struggling to overcome something and you feel like you're in bondage of that, don't panic. Play the long game. Play the long game. Stay grounded in, in the Big Ten. Okay? Stay grounded there. A long obedience. A thankful obedience in the same direction.
Hashtag thankful obedience. That's who we are, right? Well, this is the third time I've given this message this weekend. And I'm going to say something that's been a little bit controversial, but bear with me. There was a commercial back in the 70s. And here's what I said that I'm getting blown up in between services. I said that the 70s may have been the best decade in the history of mankind. Especially when it comes to music, there's been no good music after 1979. It's just how it is. Sorry. I apologize, okay? But Dad, you don't understand our music. I know I don't. I'm just, just saying. But there were commercials. Remember back in the 70s? They had commercials with jingles, right? Blah, blah, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief. Remember? You had little jingles. Today, you have some random story about a elephant living in New York City who's friends with a platypus and at the end of it say 15% our insurance. What does that have to do with anything? Okay? Come on. Dad, you're so old. Don't say that. I'm sorry. I apologize. Bear with me. So where was I? Oh yeah, back to the jingle. This is it. So if you're wondering uh, practically, pragmatically, what do I do with the Big Ten? The Ten Commandments, that's a lot, right? It's a lot of information, it's a lot of truth, a lot of wisdom. How do I break it down? Well, let's break it down like the vitamin commercial did back in the golden era of the 70s. Remember, it was called one-a-day. One-a-day vitamins. Take one-a-day and you'll be healthy. One-a-day. So I want to encourage you, I encourage myself here today to take one-a-day when it comes to the Big Ten. Tomorrow's Monday, so Monday, take the first commandment, the first affirmation, worship God alone. Go to Exodus chapter 20, second book in the Bible, and meditate on that one commandment, that one truth. Allow God to speak to you. Ask God, how do I apply that today? Then Tuesday, we're taking one a day. We go to keep God at the center, the second commandment. Then Wednesday, number three, respect God's name. Thursday, Sabbath, rest. Am I entering into that rhythm? And go through the Big Ten. And in 10 days, taking one a day, you've gone through all of them. And you'll begin to live them out and apply them into your life. It's one a day. One a day. Comes to God's will. God's will as someone said so wisely, is a way of life. No shortcuts. No ways. Okay? We got to stay in it. Stay in the battle. Stay in the fight. Living out the Big Ten. That's where we are.